This time on the Rule Right Radio podcast with New York Mike. Look at this uprising. Look at this. I don't know how to describe how important it is and how fantastic I feel about the fact that Americans are standing up to this government, the Canadians standing up to their government. And they lit that flame, man. They were the spark. I wouldn't have thought of it. There they are. Canadians, yeah, baby. And again, I'm not celebrating the damage that they're going to possibly do. But at the same time, there's things going on in this country, and we need a course correction. We need to stand up. And I'm hoping that Joe Biden does stand up to Russia. And China sees that. By the way, it's so important that China sees this. You talk about an elephant in the room, man. That's what's going on. It's China. He wears black denim trousers and motorcycle boots and a black leather jacket with his name on the back. He does a patriotic podcast called Roll Right Radio. His name is New York Mike, and welcome to the show. This is Roll Right Radio. I'm New York Mike. Hi, this is New York Mike, and it's Roll Right Radio. <laughs> rolling right. You're talking about rolling right. Look what's rolling up north in Canada. Look at those truckers, man, going into Ottawa. Ottawa's the capital of Canada, and this is insane. Listen, I'm assuming everybody out there listening to Roll Right Radio today knows what's going on. If you don't, check it out. There's been, I don't know, for a couple of weeks now, all these truckers in Canada just tired of all the fascist policies of mandating masks and mandating vaccines. Now, you wouldn't think that the mandating thing would hit this nerve it has, this nerve, this sense of freedom. And in Canada, no less. Listen, don't get me wrong. Canada is a cool place. I just always sort of felt like there's just something there that doesn't feel as free as America. And yet, we've just taken Joe Biden in stride. We've accepted this guy a lot more than I think we should have, especially after Afghanistan. But nonetheless, so they've got this Justin Trudeau dude, and they just said, that's it, enough. And I got to tell you, I got a lot of respect for these Canadians, and it's awesome. And now, it looks like the same thing's happening here. Now, let me just clarify one thing. I am not advocating closing down either, you know, Ottawa or any place else, or certainly Washington, D.C., or the roads, because we're talking about, I think somebody said March 1st or something, they're going to be doing this demonstration from California to Washington, D.C. Why do we have to do it? What? Freedom is breaking out all over. People finally get it. Let me go back and understand what I'm talking about here. Well, obviously, I'm talking about freedom, but it's like, what percentage of the people decided not to get vaccinated? 10, 15%? There's a lot of people who aren't vaccinated, but I don't know that those are the same people that say, no hell of high water, I'd rather lose my job. But there is a percentage big enough. Maybe it's 15 or 20%. I'll give it that. I don't think it's any more than that. But that 15 or 
inspired this huge response. And I'm grateful for the response. I think we're seeing something here that's going to be very damaging. It's going to be very costly. But nothing is more costly to our way of life and to this country and the country's survival. And I guess I got to lump Canada right in there because they jumped in and say that allowing a government to, to reach this level of fascism. So I, I got to tell you, I'm damn proud of the truckers. And I just want to say to all the bikers out there, we've been doing this for as long as I can remember. When Nitzer put in a national helmet law, we fought hard. And it was Wayne Curtin, who was the head dude, man, of the uh, Motorcycle Riders Fund, the MRF. And fought hard to get rid of that, and it happened. So there was a national law that said, however it was written, you had to have a motorcycle helmet to ride a motorcycle. And when the, we got rid of it on a national basis, it was a great thing, and we've been fighting these helmet laws. There's only 19 states that have laws that demand adults wear a helmet when they ride. But that was the freedom issue. It's not about helmets. It never was. And it's not about the vaccine. It never was. It's about an individual's right to make that decision for themselves. And that's what freedom is. And so, yes, now, do you understand now why we've been fighting all these years? If you're not a rider, or even if you are, and you say, well, you guys got to get helmets. It never was. It's like, I don't have anything against vaccines. I'm vaccinated. But I know a lot of people that tell me, Mike, okay, I get it. You're an old guy. <laughs> you, you got underlying conditions or whatever they call them, comorbidities. But whatever reason, okay. But I also respect the fact that they feel there's things about this vaccine. Yeah, they got a polio vaccine. Yeah, they got the smallpox. But they got the, when they're in the military, they gave me vaccines into vaccines. Every time you get deployed, somebody, oh, another vaccine. So. We never questioned it, but when they did, the government comes out and says, you got to do it. It's quote unquote minute. And they just said, nope, because then they threatened their job. They threatened their livelihood. I mean, everything. People in the hospital were told that they can't get surgeries. They can't get transplants they can't get, because they're not vaccinated. And I guess the people just rose up. And is it? Is it that your boss can't tell you, hey, I want you vaccinated or I'm going to fire you? You know, if you work in the job and they say that's not a mandate, but a mandate gives credibility to that firing. A mandate gives that threatened job loss like it's okay to do that. So it comes together and people say, wait a minute, okay, if you want to make that individual decision, and lose so much of your employees, I guess you could do that. I guess that's all right. I don't know. There are so many labor laws. I'm in California, and, and it's a horror story. But there are so many labor laws. You would think that firing somebody because they wouldn't get a vaccine would come under that umbrella of laws that protect the employee. I mean, that's what I would think. It's not that way. So here's this huge reaction. And the reaction isn't a reaction to vaccines. It's not a reaction 
to all the misinformation, by the way, the misinformation by the government, by Fauci. It, it's just been a mess. And of course, take me to your leader. Oh, wait, don't take me to that guy, Biden. But that's the leader who's been saying, oh, we're going to get in there and fix this. Donald Trump, he's responsible for all these people dying and not getting this. Oh, I'm going to come in there and fix it. So more people die under Biden. And yet, people like Stephen King are saying that Donald Trump was worse than his worst novel or something like that. I just read. It's like, you know what? you got to be stupid to say stuff like that. You don't agree. You don't like his policies. Like someone else said to me last week, you know, oh, I heard him say these terrible things. Oh, yeah, God forbid he should say terrible things. The policies, what he did for America, the respect the whole world had, the fact he was building up, not only was he bringing together NATO, and they, oh, he's destroying NATO. No, this guy's destroying NATO. Biden, Trump built him up and said, hey, you're going to stand up and, and meet your 2% responsibility. You know, that these nations have to donate 2% of their GDP to the NATO alliance. And then help build NATO. And for what? Yeah, well, you're seeing it right now. And we're on the edge. We really are on the edge. I don't want to, you know, like blow smoke and get people all like, oh, Mike, come on, calm down. No, you don't calm down. You look at history being made and you say, yeah, we are on the edge. We're on the verge of a World War III. And it's Russia, China, Iran. I don't know who the quote-unquote Axis powers are going to be. But we have some very serious adversaries. But you know damn well, adversaries turn into enemies of the gunshot. Boom. And we shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be in this position. But here we are. And we weren't here. We didn't have North Korea firing off. Seven? Seven of these supersonic missiles? Come on. Not under Trump. He had zero. And it took him to do this whole pageantry thing with Kim Jong, going to North Korea, meeting, doing with it. And he, he said, I don't care what people say. I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to go there because this is what a leader does. And I'm not worried about looking like... I'm kissing his ass. I'm doing what I think I have to do to calm him down. Let him know that we're not the enemy. Look, that's what it took. And that's what leadership is. We don't seem to have that right now. But then again, it's like we used to say at the steps of the Capitol up there in Sacramento, when we were fighting the Helmer Law, when the people lead, the leaders will follow. And the people are leading. That's what this truck rally is. <laughs> the Trump rally and the truck rally. Here we go. But you know, I dread the damage that's going to be done. I really do. It's not a, a good thing at all. But neither is a good thing that we have a supply chain problem caused by high energy costs. The fuel cost is what's causing this. The fuel cost and the availability. Remember, it wasn't that long ago people couldn't get gas at certain gas stations. It started, and then, okay, now it's okay again. But there for a minute, it was like about, what, three, four months ago, all of a sudden, the gas station would say, oh, my God, here comes Jimmy Carter all over again. It hasn't happened, but we don't know where this thing is going to go. 
What if Russia does invade the Ukraine? What if that happens? What's that going to do to the world marketplace? You think we're immune? I'm not saying we should go in there and go to war. I'm not saying that at all. Of course, I'm not saying what Tucker Carlson's saying. I like Tucker Carlson, but there's something about him that gives me a little bit of a like, okay, let's not, I'm not all in, put it that way. When Tucker Carlson, everybody that says something about the Ukraine, he calls him a warmonger. You know what? That's pretty stupid. It doesn't make a, a person a warmonger if they're a U.S. senator or a member of Congress or a member of the military. So we better get ready for this. And Tucker Carlson calls him a warmonger? I don't even think Tulsi Gabbard would say that. Yeah, nobody wants war. Trump definitely didn't want war. He was adamant about all that. And yet, when it comes to standing up, you got to stand up, whatever the definition of standing up is. So had we been more prepared, had we been more about the defense of America and getting ready for the next war, maybe we wouldn't be facing 120 or 30,000 troops sitting on the edge of the Ukraine. That would be Mr. Trump's. What he would do when he saw the first buildup, he would have said, whoa, baby, here we go. Now, I, I, I don't think that Mr. Putin would be saying, ah, don't worry about Trump, he's not doing it. That's exactly what he's saying about Biden. Now, I'm not saying Joe Biden won't put in the sanctions that we're talking about. I think he will. Man, I can't even imagine that he wouldn't. I can't even imagine that he's just blowing smoke. But doing that when? After they invade? If it's just an incursion, well, then we could just talk and we could do things. I don't know what he's waiting for, but at some point you got to say, okay, everybody in this administration, all his advisors, every one of those senators, Democrat senators, and the people in the Democrat Congress, aside from Pelosi, maybe even Pelosi, they can't be just sitting there saying, okay, go, Joe. Yeah, let's go, Brandon. Go get them. Let's see. No, I, I, they've got to be in there saying, hey, wait a minute. Listen, boss. You've got to get the troops ready. Stop at the racist stuff. Focus on war fighting and do something. Stop that Nord Stream 2. At least, you know, let Blinken talk to the Russian guy and let him know. I'm giving you till February 15th, and we're working with Germany. Because Germany doesn't want to stop. But then, if all of a sudden, you know, you put a couple hundred thousand troops right out there, 120 right now, by the time they go in, to the Ukraine. Ukrainians, those people aren't going to just sit there and say, oh, damn it, the Russians. Oh, no, this sucks. No, it's going to be ugly and brutal. There'll be a lot of dead people. And that's not good. I don't care who they are, Russians, Ukrainians. You don't want to see that. But when you see it, it's also very disruptive. The nation that might end up paying the biggest price is Russia itself. Putin, for all his bluster, he wants to recreate the Soviet Union. There's a price to be paid for that. The Soviet Union didn't fall apart just because Ronald Reagan snapped his fingers. Boom, they're gone. It fell apart because of butter and guns. He had to make a decision. He chose guns, and that was it. That's the short end of it. And now Russia seems to be doing the same thing. I don't know what all the internals are within the country. I don't know how the people feel about what Putin... We don't take polls in Russia, do we? So we don't know what the people feel about being on the verge of 
going into Ukraine, having a war. They've got parents too, these soldiers. You got 120,000 soldiers. You got 240,000 parents potentially sitting at home going, hey, that's my kid out there. Do I want him dying in the Ukraine for what? Okay, so we get to the Mediterranean, we get a, a warm water port. We, well, we can negotiate. Why are we going to war? And the cost, the price, how much are they going to have to redirect their resources? Now, Europe is buying. They're going to be buying, especially this Nord Stream 2. They're going to be getting most of their energy, their fuel, from Russia once that pipeline gets going. So what is it you have to do to convince Germany you do not want Russia invading Ukraine? The way to stop them is stopping Nord Stream 2. Now we, the United States, we have plenty of energy. We can sell you all the energy you need. And by the way, it's going to be a more stable situation than what you're going to get from Russia. You don't know what's going to happen with Russia. Putin wakes up in the morning and says he's going to double the price. He's going to squeeze you a little bit. That's not going to happen with America. We're not like that. You've been dealing with us. You know us. I think that a real negotiator. Now, I don't know anything about this guy. Blink is a nice guy. I don't think he's a tough guy. I don't think he's got the backbone. I don't think he's got what it takes. He's no Mike Pompeo. Put it that way. I don't think he strikes that sense of, oh, damn it, on the other side. Oh, shit, I got to deal with him today. I think Mike Pompeo did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. But if you go there and you, you talk to Germany and you say you've got to be willing to stop that pipeline and let Russia know now. Then we put a cold kibosh on their ability to join in the banking system. But it, it's got to be done now. We've got to get in there now. The same thing with these trucks. This is the time. Boom, they did it. Just stepped up and did it. We didn't elect the president of all the truckers in the country. They got together. And they all got together and they found their own leaders. And they put, boom, and they're doing it. And now they're talking about going into Washington. Because this is a free country. Freedom is the number one thing. The number one commodity of America is freedom. The freedom of the individual. That's what capitalism represents. It's all chaotic. It's a mess. And you do need a government to call balls and strikes to be the referee. When there's a lot of stuff going on that needs to be supervised, if not fixed, but you got to Walk that fine line. There's a balance there between freedom, which is chaotic, and fascism, which, you know, makes them, oh, we're going to have everything be done this way, orderly, boom, we're going to fuck. You don't want that. So you got to put up with this stuff so we have this free country, and boom, here go the trucks. <laughs> I love it. At the same time, like I said, I'm not looking forward to the damage that's going to be done. People just get fed up. They get fed up when our freedom is taken away. And the straw that broke this camel's back is the mandates. But there's a lot of other stuff going on. A lot of other stuff beyond that. And then look at this Trudeau. Trudeau leaves, he leaves the country. Is that leadership? Oh, stand up, say what you're gonna say. Meet with the leadership, go out there. Let's get together with the leadership of these truckers. What do you want? How can we deal with this? What is it? That's what you do. That's what the leader does. 
Look at Trump. Look at these rallies. I went to the one in Arizona. I talked about did the whole podcast on it. Now look at the one they had this last Saturday night in Texas. Now, when I was there, it was about 55,000 people, without a question of a doubt, in Arizona. It was over 85,000 in Texas. And you look at this man. He gets up and he speaks and he brings together the leadership. There was like 15 major Republican leaders, governors, and they were all there. Some of them got up to speak. It was like, this is exciting. Why is it exciting? Because people are hungry for freedom. Freedom is breaking out all over. Now, you people on the left may look at Donald Trump as not being what you consider. Why? Because of something he said, something he texted. What about what he did? Let's talk about what he did. Talk about his energy. Talk about his leadership. Where do you see that? Do you not see the difference? Even if Joe Biden wasn't doing the disastrous things he's doing, the disaster in Afghanistan, the disaster in here with inflation, with his non-leadership on COVID, his total inability to do anything right on COVID. We've had more people die. It was the novel COVID virus when Trump was there. It ain't kind of novel no more. It's been around a while. We're going to our third year. And Trump, boom, nailed that Operation Warm Speed. We got the vaccination. He created it miraculously. What did Joe Biden do? He had all those tools to work with. He had all that ability to make it happen. He was still blaming Trump. Oh, I'm going to fix it. Yeah, we're going to get this right. Yeah, well, you didn't do anything. You made it worse. And now look at the damage that's been done. When you look at what DeSantis did in Florida, he saw the damage that was being done by the cure. And he said, okay, enough. We got to open things up. Did he take a risk? Yes. It's risky business to say in the face of a pandemic, what we're doing isn't working. We can't close down business. We got to send our kids to school. We can't have mask mandates and vax mandates. We got to give people to get vaccinated because they want to get vaccinated. This is America. We got to let businesses flourish because the price we pay, kids going to school need to interact with each other. Facial expressions are important. It's part of how we communicate. And these kids are learning how to communicate. What are you going to say? Okay, let's make sure you learn how to communicate with a mask covering your face. So when they take it off in a year or three, you'll be able to communicate better. No, that's, that doesn't work that way. We saw the damage. What did Biden do? to mitigate the damage that we saw by that time. Not a damn thing. He started mandating masks for kids. It's sick and it's wrong. The energy level. Biden goes in there with a sour look on his face. He fumbles for the words. Then he says, oh, they told me I can't answer any more questions. Oh, they told me I have to you know, get Governor Cox to answer his question. Oh, they told me. Oh, they said I have to get... What? Who? You're the president. Show some energy. Show some leadership. Nothing. And then I hate to paint everybody with the same brush. But who are the people who are saying that Joe Rogan is putting out misinformation, disinformation? Joe Rogan has a podcast. It's hugely successful. He goes out and he brings people in that have different opinions. Now, the people who are putting out the opinions that they think should be out there are medical doctors with deep experience in what's going on 
and feel differently than this Fauci fool. They're expressing their thoughts and their feelings and they're giving us something else to think about. And then, who is this, Joni Mitchell? Neil is not so young, by the way. He ain't young at all. <laughs> you see his picture? Oh, man. And, and who the hell is Joni Mitchell? Who cares about these people? They're not going to go, I don't care. I don't care who doesn't go on. Spotify is going to do what Spotify is going to do. But why would anybody try to limit the amount of opinions from qualified people? This isn't Joe Rogan spitting off his ideas. No. This is Joe Rogan bringing on heavyweight medical authorities. Doctors who are, now, are there doctors on the other side? Sure there are. Did they outnumber this? Listen, I don't want to get involved in that. Because whenever I see doctors on the government side, I know they're getting grants. I know they're getting those big grants from the government. You want to hear it all. And you want to make those decisions for yourself. And you want to live in the country where you're allowed to. And, and that's what's going on. I love it. Now, I'm sorry that it came to all this stuff. You know, it's like I said, they keep on saying, follow the science. What, their science, their interpretation of science, we're starting to really see that all scientists don't agree on everything, do they? No. What is the science? Oh, wait a minute. I, I know I'm a kind of sort of Neanderthal. I'm still stuck on two genders. Yeah, what does that make me? Anti-science? No, I don't think so. I think... Science says, period, in my mind, there's two genders, male and female. Don't give me all this other stuff. I've heard as many as 32 genders out there. Well, that's not the part of your science. So if you want to go out there and support that and, and then tell me that you're the part of your science, <laughs> I'm not buying it. You are not the part of your science, okay? And when you're not willing to question, that's what science does. Questions everything. You're not the part of your science. And we're seeing that. It's the emperor has no clothes. They're standing. It's a whole facade. It's bullshit. That's what the other side is doing. And then, of course, here comes Whoopi Goldberg in the middle of all this, just to add to the incredibility of the left, and says the Holocaust was not. Racism. I, I don't know what you call racism. Does it have to be against black people, at quote-unquote African-American people? Is that what qualifies as racist? What about the racism against all the Asian people? I mean, racism is people hating somebody or doing something to somebody. If somebody just has an emotional disgust for certain people. That is racist. Do they have to act on it? When I was in the South in the 60s, particularly in Mississippi in 1963, and then even in South Carolina, and there were all these signs on the, all these buildings, no niggas, no Jews, no dogs. The Jews are right there, right up there. And sometimes they said, no niggas, no kikes no dogs. Those are the signs. Now, that's racism. Segregation, 
because of somebody's color or religion. It was always together. Whoopee. By the way, maybe we should just take her last name away. Why are you walk around with this Goldberg if you're saying that the Holocaust? There's got to be some sanction here, okay? Let's form a Jew committee to take away Whoopi's title of Goldberg. She just disearned it. It's over, whoop. That's it. You go, whoops. <laughs> yeah. What is it? So if somebody has a disdain for Asian people, I don't know, pick one, Asian people, but they don't say anything. They don't do anything. Are they racist? The same disdain for black people, but they don't say they're doing it. They just, you know, keep it to themselves. Are they racist? Or do they have to say something or do something? Now, if they do something, I get that. If they say something, this damage, I get that. What is it? Now they, they're going back and saying we're a racist nation because of things that we've been doing for 350 years. I mean, there's this school in New York that's changing everything about the school because, and it's a high-end private school that goes back 340-something years or whatever it is. And they're redoing everything because the symbol of a Dutch ant is on their logo. And they say that's first governor of New York, Peter Stuyvesant. And somehow they equate that with racism. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know what Peter Stuyvesant did that was racist in 16-whatever. I don't understand any of this. But they're trying to reconstruct racism and redefine it in ways that I don't understand. But, you know, let him do it. But then when she says the Holocaust, now the Holocaust, for the Jewish people, there were 12 million people killed in concentration camps and the death camps by the Nazis, Germany, Poland, all of that during that whole time from 1936, 37 to the end of World War II, 1945. Six million were Jews. I think it was over a million that were gypsies. And then there was all the gays and the Catholics. But that six million is, is what the Jews called the Holocaust because it almost wiped out the race of Jews. And you say the whole race of Jews. Now, Whoopi Goldberg, you would think, would be sensitive to that. You know, I have no idea where Goldberg came from. No, no, no idea. But, you know, somewhere's the long line. Was she married to a Goldberg? I don't know. Did she just say, yeah, no, I don't want to be a Washington. Maybe one of her ancestors said, I like them Jews, man. I'm going to take that name. Okay, cool. We love it. But, you know, you can't just go use that name to deny the Holocaust was racist. Oh, no. But did she say that because somehow took away from the racism she's trying to claim in America to black people? I have no idea. I can't put myself in the head of some loony liberal. It ain't going to happen. And this Joe Rogan thing, by the way, why would Joe Rogan apologize? I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. This isn't the time to apologize, Joe. You're doing a great job. 
You're bringing in people with different opinions. There's no need to apologize. You're doing fine. If they want to put something in front of it and say, we deny anything here, blah, 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 and you're okay with that, it's your life, man. I wouldn't think you'd be okay with that. I wouldn't want that. If I, if I was as strong and powerful as you are, I mean, you're huge, buddy. And, and you're going to say it's okay for them to put a disclaimer? You even suggested it. Come on, man. This about there's nothing to disclaim. Because a disclaimer, I, I think, also kind of um, is an insult to the doctors or whoever the experts are that you bring on. So there's a lot of good things going on. And I, I want to make sure that before I stop talking about those truckers, and I, I don't want to stop connecting what they're doing to what us bikers have been doing, for um, yeah, no, 40, 50 years now, as long as I can remember. Wow, it's been a long time, man. I mean, I've been an debate member, an activist, uh, and all that. But just from going to Washington, D.C. on Memorial Day from 1983, the first Memorial Day after the war was dedicated, I was active way before that, don't get me wrong. But just these years, the to roll there and demonstrate, to get the results that we've gotten, the respect for the Vietnam vet. So much of it emanates from riding to D.C. on Memorial Day and demonstrating. And yes, it was then organized. 83, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 88, boom, it was organized. Rolling Thunder, now rolling to remember. And from a few thousand bikes to a few hundred thousand bikes to a half a million to almost a million to a million bikes. And now we're rebuilding it all over again, rolling to remember the AMVETS. Let's make sure if you're a biker, could just think about it, consider it. Look at what these truckers are doing. They're demonstrating for freedom. That's what we've been doing. For all these years, let's make that statement this year like never before. Let's support not just the Gold Star families, not just those who sacrificed. Let's support everyone in America that's willing to stand up and fight for the freedom that this country is founded on. Everyone is willing to stand up and live a life worthy of the sacrifice of those who gave their lives and gave their limbs and those family members that, that just live our lives worthy of what they sacrifice for and are worthy of their sacrifice. Fight for that freedom. Demonstrate for the camaraderie to those truckers, those men and women traveling around the country. They're giving up a lot. I know people are coming up with some money and helping them out, but they're not working. They're on the road demonstrating. They're not hauling freight. They're still spending money on fuel and food. They still have rent and mortgages to pay back home, kids to be sending to school, families they're not seeing. Let's demonstrate our connection with that, our appreciation of their standing up for the freedom that we fought for and our brothers and sisters died for. Let's connect with that as we ride to Washington. 
Every year I've been riding from California to Washington, D.C. I hope those truckers aren't getting in the way, but we can get through them. It's okay. We'll make it. But I, I hope that those roads are so crowded this year with bikers going from the East Coast all the way and from all points in the country, all the way to Conversion, Washington, D.C., Memorial Day weekend, rolling to remember the AMVETs. Let's all come together and celebrate the freedom that we come together and celebrate every year. That Memorial Day, those who died, that's what Memorial Day is about. Those who died for our freedom. Let's honor them, celebrate them. Let's take a cue. We've now seen the uprising in this country. Look at this uprising. Look at this. I don't know how to to describe how important it is and how fantastic I feel about the fact that Americans are standing up to this government, the Canadians standing up to their government. And they lit that flame, man. They were the spark. I wouldn't have thought of it. There they are, Canadians. Yeah, baby. And now here we are again. I'm not celebrating the damage that they're going to possibly do. But at the same time, there's things going on in this country, and we need a course correction. We need to stand up. And I'm hoping that Joe Biden does stand up to Russia. And China sees that. By the way, it's so important that China sees this. You talk about an elephant in the room, man. That's what's going on. It's China. China's like breathing down our throat, stealing everything from us. You know, you talk about a fifth column. They're a fifth and a sixth and a tenth and a 500th. They're all over the place. They're in our schools. They got spies everywhere you go. China's a real threat. Way bigger threat than Russia. But we could put a little hold on China if we make the stand. And if we do with, with Russia what we did in Afghanistan and just roll over, China's just going to do whatever they want to do. We're all human beings. Keep in mind, it's all about what's in the mind. That's where our lives are. That's where the world exists, in our minds, our mindsets. If we change people's minds, if we stand up to Russia, stand up to China, not with bullets and bombs, but with the strength of our character, letting them know that we're going to find a way to hurt you. You don't want to do this. You've got to be able to stand up to these people in a way that doesn't damage the world. We don't need any more wars. Oh, they're out there. They're going on right now. And it's inevitable. And if you're not prepared to win that war, and I mean win it, if you're not prepared to win it with everything it's going to take, then you're going to lose it. Peace through strength. That is a fact. That strength is what's going to give you peace. And if you don't have it, they're going to roll over you. And that's What's going on now? We need to stop it. And I'm hoping Biden is able to do that. Call off your people. Okay, we got 
white nationalism. Well, I don't know, they ain't going to kill us. Okay. They're not doing anything. They're not saying anything. We just don't like them because of what we think they're thinking. But they're not doing anything, really. It's not like Black Lives Matter. They're doing something. They're bringing in Marxism and communism. This white nationalism, let's try to figure it out. Meanwhile, let's make sure these soldiers are ready to fight, that they have the best training, the best equipment, the best ammunition, the best weapons. That's what they need to do. And it, that's what a leader does. That's what a leader does. That's what Joe Biden needs to do. Now, look, I watched Tucker, and it upsets me when I see him going off calling people warmongers. They're not warmongers, Tucker. They're not. They want to prepare for the inevitability of a war so that we end up with the inevitability of peace. And that's the only way to do it. The fact that there's a debate right now about what do we do, how far do we go to back the Ukraine shows how close we are to war. Is it World War III? Is it, you know, is China with Russia? What about Iran? Who or what are the Axis powers as this conflict develops? Who is it? And what are we doing? We need to talk about that. We see it happening. As sure as Neville Chamberlain met with Hitler, then came back and said, oh, he's okay, don't worry about it. The same way history looks back on that, calling Neville Chamberlain an idiot. And probably one of the reasons why Hitler said, oh, yeah, we can go in there, look what I'm doing. It's the same thing. Had he met with Winston Churchill, World War II might never have started. The meeting of the minds is what it's about. Winston Churchill wouldn't have just gone back to, to England and said, oh, it's, it's okay, he's a nice guy. No, and Donald Trump would not be sitting there just making threats to Putin. He'd be sitting there, hey, Vlad, how you doing? Yeah, let's sit and talk. Oh, by the way, I just met with Germany, and yeah, we're going to hold off that pipeline. I, I know they said it was okay, Vlad, but, you know, it's, yeah. Donald Trump isn't a blustering guy. Well, I'm gonna be, I'm not gonna, we're going to stop, you know, us. No. He's a businessman. He's a nice guy. He goes in there and he says, hey, 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 we did that. We had to do that because, you know, it's pretty simple. We want to make sure that you don't have enough fuel to go into Ukraine and fight a war. And we're doing what we can to stop this thing. I don't don't be upset. We just do what we can. We understand you do what you got to do. But let's hope we can work together and meet in the middle. That's how you negotiate. You don't have to stamp your feet, have this anger thing that Joe Biden seems to need to put out there. You negotiate. So is it clear where the United States stands? Here we have Republicans and Democrats all having different views, and there's really no consensus on anything right now regarding our foreign policy. There's not a lot of consensus <laughs> regarding our domestic policy.
But we got to have that. The DOD is so much more focused on this political correct diversity and concern over the, like I said, white nationalists. Maybe this whole thing that's going on in the Ukraine and with China, and maybe it'll, you know, help them focus on our defense instead of our diversity. You know, diversity is a good thing, but it's artificial. When you force it, you just got to find the very best people for the job. We keep saying that in spite of whatever differences they have, religion, creed, race, color, that doesn't matter. The best person for the job. That's diversity. I don't know what it is you guys are saying. And then finally, I can't leave this unset. This whole thing with SCOTUS. Oh, before I do that, I gotta say one thing, another thing. Laura Ingram brings on a guest, David Tafari. David Tafari was a part of the foreign affairs team with Obama. I don't agree with anything he says. He does it in a, in a pretty uh, diplomatic way. He has a kind of a, a smooth way of doing Kind of sort of, you know, a Blinken is like that too. Uh, that doesn't make him good, but it, it does give him a lot more finesse than a Joe Biden, that's for sure. I'm not going to agree with anything with David Tafari. But I really didn't like the way Laura Ingram was so... I don't know if condescending is the right word, but I think he was trying to say the same thing I'm trying to say, that we have to stand up, that Joe Biden has got to grow a pair and stand up and do something decisive now. And I think DeFore was saying the same thing. And here's Laura Ingram rolling her eyes. You know, we got to get together. Whether it's Laura Ingram or Tucker Carlson, I, I know they're just talking heads. They're just out there. I think they do represent a lot of, and Fox News does, but like it or not. Yeah, Newsmax does a great job, AOL and all that, but America Online, it's important. And these people, if they're representing our point of view, I want them to be able to understand we've got to have some agreement here. We want them to agree with us. We want them to stand up. We do. But there's a lot of them saying the same thing that we want to say, stand up, not go to war. But if you're not prepared to go to war, that's exactly where you're going. All right, let's talk about SCOTUS. This guy says he's going to pick a black woman to be the next justice of the Supreme Court. Why? Is he that stupid? I mean, what is it about these people that you... My, my Democrat friends out there seem to get behind. Why can't you condemn him the same way we do? I don't care if he picks a black person. I don't care if he picks a green person or a purple person. If that person is the most qualified person. Now, okay, he's going to pick the most qualified person and she's going to have it to be black and a woman. Well, that's okay. But don't smack me in the face and say, hey, I'm picking a black woman, whether you like it or not. I don't care. As long as it's the most qualified person for the job. And if there's 100 people who are just as qualified and you're going to choose the black woman, that's fine. Just make it the qualifications. 
that get them. The Why do you have to say it the way you say it? That's racism. To me, you're being the racist. If you want to think, well, the black woman in it, okay, you can think what you want. When you say it, it's like saying, I think a black woman should be in there. I, I think that's got racist tones, and I don't like it. But when you act on it, now you're a racist. Yep, I'm picking a black woman. Wait a minute. Where did that cut? That's racist. If you don't see that's racist, something's wrong. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Hey, maybe it's my interpretation, but I think I'm right here. And I think overall, we are waiting for this next election to take back Congress. And these are the kind of things. We don't want to have. We don't want to have a president. We don't want that says, oh, well, now I'm going to pick, now I'm going to pick an Asian woman. What about an Asian man? Which Asian? Japanese, Chinese, Filipino? What, what, what are you talking about? Where are you going with all this? What kind of, what, what kind of place is America going to if this is how our leadership is going to act? It's wrong. We're depending so much on the fact that when the Republican Party takes back the House, the conservatives take back the House and the Senate, that we're actually going to do something. You know, I'd like to see him impeach Joe Biden immediately just for what he did in Afghanistan and what he's doing on the border. We didn't even talk about the border today. Just for that. I'm very concerned that they're not going to do it, but I sure hope they are. Look, there's a lot going on. The FBI spying on the president, the FISA process that they did. Now we're hearing there's one billion gun sales in a database, lawful citizen gun sales that they're putting in their database after the Department of Justice went after parents for their activism in school boards. What's going on? Something's got to change in this country. It's so exciting that the lead of the truckers. It's so exciting. I hope you get that. I hope you walk outside in the sunshine today and say it's a little brighter, it feels a little better. Because we have all these truckers, thousands of truckers, leading us down the path of freedom. I think that's fantastic. I'm New York Mike. You're listening to Roll Right Radio. Thanks for being there. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Tell your friends. Comment if you want to. And we will be back. But right now, I am out of here. Thanks for listening to the Roll Right Radio podcast. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.